that you're here. I want to invite you all to stand with us. We're going to start our time together in time of song, time of praise and worship. Walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons we couldn't escape. But it came and he died and he rose. Those walls are rubble now. You remember? Remember those giants we called death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But it came, but it died, and it rose. Those giants are dead now. This is our God.
Good morning. Man, we got to do that one more time. Good morning. Awesome. I'm the new guy still on staff, so I can get away with making you say it twice. My name is Matt, and I am the youth director here at Community Life, and I am just so glad that you guys are here today. Uh, if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you are here today, too. But welcome, smart people. Welcome. I don't know if you guys know, but we have a service at... Uh, at 8.30 this morning when it was like 30 degrees, they came anyway. But you guys are smart. You slept in a little bit and you had that breakfast. That was really, really smart. So we have the smart crowd, Scott. You ready? Yeah, exactly. There we go. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to say welcome. I Again, I'm the youth director, so if you have any questions about uh, how teenagers fit in here at Community Life, I would love to answer those. If you have the ability to speak to a teenager without running in the opposite direction, I would love to speak with you. Maybe we could hang out and we could affect the next generation together. But today, what we're going to do is we are here to worship. Amen? Amen. These guys say amen, so that's a good thing. We're going to pray. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, and then I'm going to close this with a word of prayer, and then we're going to transition. But let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this gift of today, the gift of every breath you give us. Today, God, we are here to worship. So we ask that you would strip away everything that's keeping us from focusing on you, whether it's grocery lists or things we have to do this week. God, today, this moment is about you. God, draw our focus to you, our gaze to you, draw our love to you. God, speak to our hearts in this hour. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Buried beneath my rebellion Lost without hope of redemption Blind in my need for a savior Oh, but God Crushed by the weight of my failure Living the lie I created Digging my grave without knowing Testimony over God. 
Amen. Absolutely. Colossians 3 tells us that, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And um, just as we've been exploring this new year and in this series, Speak Life, um, there's just so much um, that is so cool about that. And I think one of the biggest things to remember is that our source of life is Jesus. And we read that we are actually connected with him by his death, by his resurrection. Uh, we see that in scripture. And so um, often it, it can be easy to get weighed down by things around us, you know, things of the world, things that we see and we struggle and we go through. And it's not that those things don't matter to God. Obviously they do. Um, but to really get beyond that and to have life in those things, we have to be connected to Jesus because we see this set our mind on things that aren't of earth, but are of heaven and spiritual things in, in him. And so I just wanna encourage us all if, if we're here and, and um, you know, struggling or maybe we just, we're not even sure what we believe yet about Jesus, um, to know that he is good, to know that we do have life in him. He is the author and source of life completely. Uh, he is kind, he is merciful. And uh, most importantly for us, he has paid the debt that we can never pay. By his death, by his resurrection, we can have life eternal uh, in him and not just hope for the you know one day future but life joyfully and life abundantly here today and so just want to um, be reminded of that and in this song we're going to declare in Jesus there is hope there is freedom we speak his name there is power in that name Break every stronghold 
here together in this moment, this time, to be able to, to sing that, God, more than that, a declaration of that. Jesus, of your name and the power that you have to save, the power that you have to keep, the power that you have to give life. What a gift, what a gift. So God, we're grateful, we're thankful, I pray that just our hearts, in this time, God, it's a small part of a bigger day and longer week, but in this moment that we're here together corporately, we're just reminded we're not alone. We're reminded of your goodness and of your grace, Jesus, of the, the finished work upon the cross that you have done on our behalf. And we thank you for that. I pray that that is enough to carry us through and that that would be on our heart and anchor us into you for this week, for next week, for this year and beyond, that we might become more like you, Jesus. We love you so much. We thank you so much. It's in your mighty, mighty, mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We lift a shout of praise, amen. Thank you guys so much just for being here. And uh, it's awesome. We don't take it lightly. You guys could be anywhere, but here we are. And so, so glad for that. Thanks for singing with us. And before you um, have a seat, if you would just say hello to somebody, maybe introduce yourself, uh, welcome somebody to CLC, and we'll continue on in worship and the word. 
And if you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in, and we will be right back at you. Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing good this morning. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today on this beautiful Sunday morning. It was cold earlier this morning. Uh, my name is Scott Verno, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life, and it is an honor to have you here in our family room or to have you connecting with us online. Uh, there are a lot of places you could be on a Sunday morning. It means the world to us that um, you've, you've taken this time out of your day to, to connect with us. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And so our hope is that you discover the source of life. Yes, absolutely do that. But then once you discover the source of life, that you'll share it with every single person that you encounter. And if there's anything we can do as a church to stand alongside you, we would consider that to be um, part of our mission. So, so please um, invite us to, to join you in the craziness of this life. So I have a couple quick announcements. They're not, not really that quick, but... Um, Things to kind of put out there to connect you to this life and this season of what's going on at Community Life. Uh, the first uh, is that we have Night to Shine that's going on, so we still need more volunteers, more buddies. Um, the Tux Bucks jars need to start coming back in. Uh, some of y'all like to hold those all year long. We need to get those back before Night to Shine. Uh, but if you don't know what that is, so we hold a, a prom for our special needs community, and that is on February 9th, the night of, and it's phenomenal. And if you're looking for a way to connect and really have a meaningful experience, um, we invite you to find out more information about that, join us, and, and maybe help us to pull that off. Uh, the second thing to talk about is that tomorrow night is the second year anniversary of Celebrate Recovery, y'all. It's so awesome. We're excited. Um, two years, Steve, we've been plugging away at it. It's been awesome, right? Steve's not answering. He can't hear. He's got his hearing aids turned down. Um, it's amazing what God has been doing, the lives that we've seen, that God has been transforming. And uh, we want to invite you to come to our second year anniversary. Uh, but let me kind of give you some disclaimers. Celebrate Recovery is our adult, 18 and older, 12-step recovery program based on the Beatitudes. So it's Christ-centered. So if you have a hurt, a habit or a hang-up, which is every single person in here, and you are an adult, we invite you to come and join us. We'll have a catered meal from about 5 to 5.15 to 6 o'clock, and then at 6 o'clock, we're going to have an amazing ministry night. If you're interested in just checking CR out, tomorrow night's the perfect night to come do it. Get a little taste, get a little flavor, see how things operate, and um, we'd just love to have you there. Um, this ministry, to me, is, is life. Um, if you've not heard this from me, uh, you need to know that your preacher... Um, uh, my drug of choice is anxiety. And so if, you, if I have something in my life that doesn't have clarity, I will fill all available space with anxiety. That's what I do. Celebrate Recovery has helped me to learn to walk through those steps and to deal with that. And so I encourage you, if there are things you're walking through, to come join us and, and come check out Celebrate Recovery. So that's the second thing. The last thing is, is really maybe um, one of the most important things that you can do this season and that is to find a connecting point, to find a life group that you can anchor into. We do a lot of great things in the beginning part of the year, and so sometimes life groups get lost in the shuffle. This may be the most formational, important thing that you do. So I just want to take a moment to talk about some of the things that you can join and be a part of. And so ladies, we have uh, groups for you that are walking through a study or about to start a study on Habakkuk, on Isaiah, um, we have groups for everyone for marriage, for divorce recovery or divorce care, 
grief care. Uh, we're running a financial peace university class that's coming up. Um, college students, if you're here and you're looking for a place to connect, we've got an awesome college uh, group that meets and we'll just invite you to come and join us for that. Um, there, is, there are two classes that, that I'm, I'm really excited about. So Donna Jordan is teaching a class on Tuesday nights that is going to unpack Israel. So there's a lot of people that are seeing what's going on in the news and maybe you don't fully understand that. She's going to go all the way back in scripture and walk you through step by step so that you can understand the lay of the land and how things unfold. So maybe if you're interested in learning about that, that's going to be on Tuesday nights. And then one of my favorite teachers on the planet is Greg Walker. And he's starting a series coming up that's going to deal with Solomon, his life and his legacy. And that dude, when he teaches, you will feel like you're in scripture. So if you want to walk through and, and learn, he's going to be teaching his class is on, on Tuesday nights, and so you're invited to come to that too. But stop by out in the lobby and connect. Um, these, these groups, they're not just interest points. Um, they are truly life-changing, and so we encourage you to go find out. Find that forever family and, and uh, get to know a few more people in the church. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Okay, so as I've been saying um, starting these last few weeks, I honestly believe in my prayer time as we've been preparing and laying out all this sermon series for 2024 is that this year is a year of transformation. That when I look at all the series and I start to line them up, there is a, a nature of each one that calls us to a different place, calls us to a, a deeper place in our faith to understand and wrestle with who we are, what God has called us to, and to move us forward in, in what he's called us to. So with that in mind, as a part of this church, I encourage you to be open, to be prepared, and to allow God to challenge you in ways that maybe you've not been challenged because this journey, man, it only gets bigger and more beautiful as, as you experience the things that God has in store for you. So I want to welcome you into that journey. But that leads us to the, the real first series of the year, which is this series we're calling Speak Life. And it's around this understanding of, of the importance that we have in the words that we speak over other people. Words matter. You know the, the old phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Oh, that's, that's wrong. That's a lie. Um, you know, there are some things that Tammy will say to me, I'll forget them in 30 seconds. But as I shared with you last week, I had a pastor 20 years ago, someone that was real formational in my life, that sat across the table from me and said, Scott, you do not have what it takes to be a senior pastor. And I'm going to tell you those words. I can remember the setting. I can remember what he was wearing. I can remember sitting across the table from him in this little Mexican restaurant. And um, it's just etched into my brain. And so every time I run into a challenge inside this church, those words loom large in my life. It's been a struggle for me because of how they were spoken over me. Now, here's the thing that I thought was most interesting. I shared that story with y'all last week, and I got tons of emails. Some of you wanted his address because you wanted to go deal with him. Now, that was speaking life over me. Thank you for that, that you guys are wanting to defend me, but that's probably not the speaking life we're looking for. Um, I was just trying to make a point, and, and I, I don't I understand the place that he was coming from, his insecurity, his brokenness. And, and so I've dealt with that. But boy, once those words are out there, be careful. And we want to be a people that choose to speak life. Life so that when someone gets into a tough situation, they hear words of, of affirmation and hope that will help them to go in and, and untangle and to walk through it in a sense connected to the heart of God. So words matter. The, um, the foundational verses that we've been using for this series are found in Proverbs 18, 21 and Matthew 12. And so Solomon in, in Proverbs gives us this verse. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. So the first thing you need to know is that you have the choice to speak life or to speak death. But know this, 
Whichever you choose, you will eat the fruit of those words that you push out into this world. So we want to be people who speak life. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, he says, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of the good treasure, and the evil person brings evil things out of the evil treasure. And so we not only have a choice as to what to speak, life or death, we draw those words from what we have placed inside of us. So you may have found yourself in a situation where you say something, you're like, whoa, where did that come from? We might need to stop and consider the garbage that we've been placing inside of ourselves so that we can fill that up with life and we can offer life to those people around us because that's what we're facing or that's what we're, we're putting inside of ourselves. Back to the year of transformation. We're going to work on renewing and bringing about that change inside of our lives so that we can speak life and we can help people to find their fullness and to find their calling and purpose in this world. So those are the foundational verses. Week one, we talked about um, uh, Gideon. Great story, Judges chapter 6. The big takeaway was it is impossible for us to know who we are without knowing who God is. And so we have this encounter with Gideon and God where God calls Gideon a mighty man of, or a mighty warrior. He calls him a mighty warrior. But here's the truth. When he encounters him, there is nothing mighty about what he's doing. He's hiding. So you have to dig deeper into the scripture. And what you find out is that God takes and calls out of Gideon the nature of God that's inside of him. And ultimately, he leads him to a place to where he becomes a mighty warrior. So what we need to do is to know the nature and the heart of God so that we can know what we have been called to be. And so that's the story of Gideon. In the second week, we talked about Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. This is a great story about power dynamics in the Bible where you have people like that are kings and mighty warriors who should know better, the king of Israel, should know the heart of God and should be willing to speak life. But in this story, you find those people that are in positions of power, they don't know God, and they're not speaking life. But you counterbalance that with those in the story who are, and they're nameless servants who shouldn't even have a voice, but they're the ones that the prophet who wrote the scripture tells us were the ones that were speaking life. And ultimately, they bring a change in Naaman's life, and he converts to believing in the God of, of Judaism. And, and Naaman is not even Jewish. He's from outside the nation. And so here you have this God that draws in this person from the outside because people were willing to speak life over him. And so the big takeaway from us is that it doesn't matter your standing in life. It should not limit your ability to speak life. We do that out of obedience, and then God takes those words, and God uses them for his glory. And then there was like a little bonus message on the end, and if you want to hear that, go log in, and you can watch them. They're all online, and um, I watched it because I was nervous about it, and it came out fine. So go back and watch that message, and I think you'll enjoy it. Today, <clears throat> we're going to continue on in the series, Speaking Life, by looking at two big sets of Scripture. One is in Deuteronomy 31, and the other is in Joshua chapter 1, and they're really covering this transition of power, if you will, from Moses to Joshua, a very important, critical time in the life of Israel, as, as handing the power off from Moses to Joshua is just so key and such a central focus. And so what I thought is, if we went back and we looked at the, uh, Deuteronomy 31, it's Moses speaking over Israel and then Moses speaking over Joshua. We can look at what it means to speak life. And then in Joshua chapter 1, it's God speaking to Joshua himself. And then we can compare those two and see the similarities and maybe discover more about this understanding of, of what speaking life means. Now, here's a little context for you about Deuteronomy. It's a great book. But if you read it after reading Exodus and Numbers, you'll think, man, there's some repeats in here. Like, what's this all about? So Moses... After all of his years of leading Israel, 
he leads them to a place, and then one day he gets up and he goes out and he just starts preaching. And really, Deuteronomy is an entire sermon. Mind you, it's a very, very long sermon. He covers all 40 years of their history. And he covers the story. He talks about the things they did well, the things they didn't do well. He mixes in the law, the lessons that they learned, all of that, all the way through Deuteronomy. It's so powerful. And really, if you want to understand it in your mind, it's a, it's a book that is calling them to a place of remembrance, to remember what God has done for them. So he's bringing them to a place where you can honestly say in Deuteronomy, the entire book, he's speaking life over them. So he's pointing them back to God and how God has brought them in this journey. When we get to 31, this is where he's ready to hand off the reins and and move it on to Joshua. And I'll just tell you the context of Joshua. It's a historical book that follows along with the Israelites as they go into the promised land, their battles, how they do, what they do well, what they don't do so well, and just chronicles that along. So let's dive into Deuteronomy chapter 31. Um, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, when, when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, so he takes a breath, right? He's been preaching for 30 chapters. He stops and he takes a breath. He said to them, I am now 120 years old. I am no longer able to get about. Is that a fair statement? Right? I mean, that's probably the biggest understatement in the entire scripture. I am no longer able to get about. And the Lord has told me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. So he starts off with this opening. I'm 120 years old and I'm not going in. Now, Moses' life divides up cleanly into 40-year chunks. Now, they're probably not exactly perfect because 40 in the Bible meant a season or a generation. So you have to know that they were around 40, but 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness in um, uh, is it Midian? Boy, I just totally lost the word. In Midian. And then he goes back at 80 years of age. God calls him into ministry. So if you're 80, welcome to the party. Let's go. Um, he calls him back into ministry and he goes into Egypt and he leads the Israelites out. And then 40 years of leading the Israelites to the promised land. And then they have a failure of heart. And so he just leads them around for 40 years until there's a big transition in them. But that's where they sit as they find themselves in this place. 120 years of age, he's ready to pass the baton. And then this phrase, he says, the Lord has told me you shall not cross over this Jordan. Now that's really kind because he kind of blames God for it, but we all know whose fault was it that he doesn't get to go in. It's his own, right? And it's an interesting story. You can go back and read it um, where, where the people of Israel, they're frustrated as they always seem to get in these stories and they're mad and they're thirsty and they have no water. And so they go and they complain to Moses and Moses is like, ah, so he goes back and he prays and he asks God and God says, all right, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go out to this such and such rock and I need you to speak to the rock. And when you speak to the rock, water is going to flow out of the rock. And so Moses, it's a beautiful, awesome story. He comes out, he, stand, he calls all of Israel around the rock. And then he starts preaching. And he doesn't just speak to the rock. He starts to chastise them. Oh, you jerks. Why? You're always whining. You're always complaining. I mean, he goes off on them. It's like awesome. You ever have that moment where you're like, I just really want to tell them what I think? He does. And then after it's done, he takes his staff and he strikes the rock. Not once, but twice. Now, when he strikes it the second time, water flows out of it. So God honors the Israelites. But as soon as it happens, God says, because you had a lack of faith and you didn't do what I commanded you to do, you are not going into Israel. 
I, or going into the promised land. He said, I told you to speak to the rock. He had already done a miracle before where he struck the rock. This time he told him to speak to the rock. And there is some symbolism of the rock and how the rock is struck and the rock doesn't need to be struck twice. And here you have that. So there's some big symbolism that's going on in this whole narrative um, that it would be awesome to be able to preach a whole message on that. But he was forbidden from being able to go in. So even though here he says, God told me I can't go in. It's his own fault, okay? That's enough. All right, here we go. Verse 3. Now, focus on this. He's about to speak over Israel. The whole nation's in front of him. And I want you to pay attention to who he puts the emphasis on. Verse 3. The Lord your God himself will cross over before you. He will destroy the nations, or these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua also will cross over before you as the Lord promised. And so in here, if you were just to imagine Joshua or God, who is the one that's doing all the work? God. God is the one that's going before him. So Joshua gets a mention. He's also going to go. But really the main character in what he's speaking over Israel is God, that God is going to be the one that goes in front of them. He's going to be the one that blazes this trail. Verse 4. The Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, and you shall deal with them in full accord with the command that I have given to you. And so what you need to know is that when Moses speaks over Israel, he's giving God all of the emphasis and all of the glory for everything that has happened and everything that's going to happen. This is so important. I would tell you this is the moment when he's speaking life over Israel, but he's not just speaking words. He's saying words of life about what God intends to do, that God is going to be the one that goes in front of us for this whole occasion. Verse 6, he says, Be strong and bold, have no fear or dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And so he's not saying be strong and bold because you're awesome. Be strong and bold because, you know, you guys fight pretty good and I think you got a good chance. He doesn't say that. He says, be strong and bold because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Now, how many of you know if you have the God of creation that's going to separate the Jordan River and allow you to walk across on dry ground, you should be feeling pretty good about yourself, right? So there's something where the words that, that, that he's speaking life is anchored in truth. It's anchored in the God that created them. So it's not just, hey, feel good about yourself, be strong, be courageous. No, no, no. Be strong and courageous and you've got a reason to be strong and courageous. Verse seven. Verse seven and eight to me is a master class in leadership. Really, if, if you're focusing in an area where you're transitioning a business and you're about to hand off leadership or you're in a place where you're, you're raising up a new leader and you're about to put them into a position of power, to me, what happens in verses seven and eight is so important. And the way that Moses goes about this, I mean, it, it's just, it's fantastic. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, check this out, in the sight of all Israel. So there's an accountability. There's an affirmation. Moses is taking the mantle off his life and he's putting it on Joshua and he's owning it in front of all of the people. So he does it in sight of all the people. Tells them to be strong and bold for you are the ones who will go with this people into the land of the Lord that has shown their ancestors to give them and you will put them in possession of it. And so in front of all of Israel, he affirms Joshua and his calling. Now look at the verse eight. As if he's done all of that, he's given him the mantle, but then he connects him to the mission. 
He doesn't let him be off on his own like Joshua's going to be this amazing leader and he, does, he can do whatever he wants to. Verse 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So he says that over Joshua, knowing that you're the one, I'm giving you the mantle, you're going to be the leader now, but don't forget that it is God who is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that's what he puts on to Joshua as he prepares him to take over leadership. It's amazing how he does this. I mean, it's fantastic. This should be the greatest transfer of power of all time. Now, just to set the stage for you before we move into Joshua, you have to reconcile this transition. So prior to this point, everybody that is in Israel, they've only known Moses as their leader. So after they go to the promised land on the edge of the promised land 40 years ago and they decide that they were too fearful to go in, God said, okay, then none of you are going to go in except, except there's, and he named a few, Joshua and Caleb. He said, Joshua and Caleb, I'm going to keep you alive, but everyone else is going to die off and we're going to have this whole new generation that's going to be raised up whose heart will not fail. And so over that 40-year period, all of the Israelites died off and this whole new generation was born and they've only known Moses. So imagine this transfer of power from Moses, who's been the central key figure, to Joshua. Oh, but there's more. Prior to this point, every morning when they woke up, they would open the door and a bakery would drop off all of this manna from heaven. They'd walk out their front door and just gather up the bread that they needed. They'd have food to eat. And if God wanted to go somewhere else, that pillar of fire or that cloud would move somewhere. They'd pack up their tents and they would just go follow God wherever it was that he went. That was Moses' leadership. Now they're going to cross over into the Jordan. On the other side, they're going to open up their tents. And guess what? This bakery doesn't deliver. They got to go out and they got to grind grain and they got to make bread and they have to live into their faith in this promised land that was spoken for them. So this is important, this balance of power and the shift that is done correctly so that Joshua can truly lead. Does everybody kind of understand how powerful this is and how important this is? Okay, good. All right, so here we go. So we're going to lean into Joshua chapter one. And what I want you to pay attention to is this is God speaking to Joshua. And listen to how he speaks life and how these words come together. So verse one says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, my servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. So it's almost as if he said, okay, that's enough crying. Let's go. Suck it up. Moses is gone. We got to get on with what I've called you to do. I'm going to be the one that puts you in possession. So can you see the similarity? He doesn't say, all right, Joshua, you've prepared, you've trained, you're going to lead us in. Joshua, go ahead and get across this river and let's go. No, 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 no. God says, I'm going to be the one that leads you. Let's go. Get your stuff together, round up everybody, and let's get on with this journey. Verse 3. He says, every place, this is a strong promise. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. And so there's this promise and this awareness to Joshua that, hey, whatever you tread on, wherever you go, whatever you take in my name, you're going to get it. Verse 4, this is a big promise once again, a promise that's never realized by Israel. It says, from the wilderness uh, and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. And so if they would have settled everything that God spoke over them, they would have had the land all the way up to the north of Syria, all the way over to the Euphrates, um, the Euphrates River. 
and all the way down, even down into Jordan, and that whole area would have been theirs. God would have given it to them. So there's some challenges we got to wrestle through with the scripture. Verse five, this is a hard one to reconcile, and we'll talk about it at the end. He says, no one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome if God said to you, hey, you'll never lose. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people into possession of the land, and here it is, that I swore to their ancestors to give them. So once again, God is leading this whole charge. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. And as you get into verse 8, you start to see that there's this awareness that as God speaks life over Joshua, that there's a responsibility of Joshua and of the people of God to live into something so that they can experience what God is speaking over them. Verse 8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. So you can see the, the condition on this that I've called you to go do this, I need you to make sure that this word never departs from your mouth, for then you shall. Now, there's a verse here that I'd love to go back and unpack in great detail. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, for then you shall be prosperous. He doesn't say that. He says, for then you shall make your way prosperous. That's a whole sermon. And then you shall be successful. So the transformation piece comes before the journey piece or the victory piece or the, the successful piece. So there's the work that he wants to do in our lives. There's that understanding. Verse 9, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. And so we see that God's, God speaking to Joshua is pretty similar to what Moses says. So Moses was speaking the word of the Lord, if you will, speaking life over him. You see the connection. It's not, hey, Joshua, you ready for this? So Go get him. It was God is doing this, and also Joshua is going over, and so God includes him in that plan, and then there's the understanding of he has to be rooted in it. So as I've spent time over these last couple of weeks studying through this, I'm going to be honest. I really thought this was going to be easy. You ever try to do something, and you're like, man, that's going to be a piece of cake. This sermon has been problematic for me all week long. I mean, it's been a red-hot mess. And, and he, here's what's so funny about it. Deuteronomy 31 and Joshua 1, these are the scriptures that you use if you're running a capital campaign, baby. How can you lose? Everywhere you set your foot, you're going to have victory. Right? Like, no mistakes. You're never going to lose. Everything's going to be awesome. Up and to the right. No challenges. And I remember thinking, speak life. How can this go wrong? Not a lot of work. And, and, and then I started getting into it. And I'm like, oh, this is a mess. And I can preach that sermon. And we can all get excited if I want to teach it to you out of context. But here's the truth. After God speaks this over the nation of Israel, this begins what is possibly the darkest period of Israel's life. The time and time frame of Israel where they drift farther away from God than you can ever imagine. If you go to the end of the book of Judges, there are chapters where you read stories that you, you would never even read to your children. 
They're that dark, they're that deplorable that you just can't even imagine the people of God would get there. So how do you get from here to there, right? Like in context, just because God says that you're never gonna, um, that you should be strong and courageous and no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, you've gotta do your work in understanding what God says in this moment because if what God says here holds, then Joshua should have never had a problem. He should have taken over all this land and we'd be looking at a completely different story. So it requires us to go back in and to do the work. And so let me start by just saying this up front. Um, I've been trying to rephrase and understand what speaking life means so that we can maybe hold on to it a little better. And the first thing I want to put out there is this idea that speaking life is not just speaking positivity over someone. Speaking life is not just speaking positivity over someone. You can do whatever it is that you want to do. Right, well, I'm going to tell you, I wanted to play baseball in the major leagues. Genetics determined that I was not going to play baseball in the major leagues, okay? So as much as my parents wanted to speak positively over me, that wasn't going to get me in the major leagues. I could hit well, but I ran like a duck. It's just the truth. So there was no way that I was ever going to do anything beyond that. Now you could say, oh, there's people who set their mind to it and accomplish it. Great. Okay. That's, that's wonderful. You can say that. But for the most part, this is the understanding of speaking life is not just about speaking positively over somebody. It's something that's much deeper than that. Speaking life has to be anchored in the heart of God. And so here's the phrase that I've been working with as I've been putting these thoughts together. Is that speaking life is connecting the heart of God to the heart of the person that you are speaking to. When God says, be strong and courageous, it's not just a positive affirmation. It's a reality. Because when God separates the water and you walk across, how many of you know in that moment, you feel pretty courageous? When you have the God of creation moving elements around. How many of you know when you walk around Jericho and you shout and the walls fall down, you can feel pretty good about yourself. You can be courageous. And so what we need to know is that when you connect the heart of God to the heart of man and we believe and we hold on to that, then we experience the truth of what he's doing here in his word. So we need to make sure that when we're speaking life, we are connecting it to that nature, to the heart of God, and to what God is, maybe I'm not asking you guys to prophesy and do anything crazy, don't hear me saying that, but connect them to the nature of God, those Galatians 5 gifts, the fruit of the Spirit that God has placed in people, and call those things into being, and they become that point that we can connect. There has to be something eternal. We're not just speaking positively over someone else. It has to be more than that. So as I studied through these scriptures, I felt like the best thing to do today was to offer truth about speaking life from what we see here in our text. And so here's the first example. The first thing is this. God cares more about who you are than about what you accomplish. So let me say it again. God cares more about who you are than about what you accomplish. If you just read in verse 8, this gives you everything that you need to know. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that it may be careful, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with it all as it is, act in accordance with all that is written in it for then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall be successful. And so scripture, even in these words that he speaks to Joshua, talks about transformation that happens inside of us. Us changing who we are before we ever accomplish the very first thing. And so we can be, out of balance and throw all of our emphasis on what we accomplish for God and never address 
the very nature of who we are and allow God to change us and mold us and shape us into his image, fashioning us to be truly people of God. Um, One of my favorite verses, many of you know this, is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul writes, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to discern the will of God. So many of you, after, after every one of these services, I have people come forward that say, I've got options in front of me or I'm thinking about this and I'm not really sure what to do. Allowing God to transform and to work inside your life will clear up those decisions. And then when you're left with decisions, sometimes God allows you to choose. And then when you get on the other side of that choice, God will help you to make those choices right. It's amazing how he does that. And so if you're praying about the will of God and what God would have you to do, allow for transformation to happen. Spend some time in prayer, study the word, let God shape and mold you. And so I honestly believe that God cares more about who we are than about what we accomplish in this world. The second truth that I want to lift up for you today is that what you speak today may not be realized for a long time. Speak it anyways. The truth that you speak over someone's life today may not be realized for a long time. Speak that truth anyways. So if you just look at the story of Joshua and the children of Israel, God separates the Jordan. They walk across. That was awesome. Then they go, they march around Jericho for a little time. Walls fall down. That's pretty awesome. They're feeling pretty good about themselves, right? Then Joshua, who's this mighty warrior now, and he's this mighty captain of the guard, he decides to start sending people out to go fight these battles. And so they look at the different communities that they're fighting, and they would send this many people here and this many people here. And by the time you get to Joshua 7, something happens. All of, I mean, they're just rolling. They're doing so good. But by the time they get to Joshua 7, they send a group of warriors to a little town called Ai. Ai, I don't know if it's called Ai or Ai, but let's just say Ai. They send these group of warriors over to Ai, and guess what happens? They get their backsides handed to them. They should have easily won. I mean, these are the ones who screamed and walls fell down, giant walls. They should have easily won this victory, but they didn't. And so they come running back and they show up in front of Joshua and they're like, what happened? Here's what's so powerful about speaking life. Because Moses spoke over Joshua and because God spoke over Joshua and said to him that I will be with you forever, I will never leave you or forsake you. When he had those words inside of his heart and failure was experienced, Joshua was not able to say, well, God failed us. He was able to know that he had this anchor in his life and he was able to look and say, well, we must have made some kind of a mistake. And he was able to dive into his own heart and in the heart of Israel and they were able to find out what was going on, that there was sin in the camp and that there's this person named Achan who decided to keep some of the spoils from Jericho. And when they find out about it, they deal with Achan, they get rid of him. And then they're able to go back and, and take on this victory that God had given for them, but it had to be in accordance with to what was going on. And so, so we, we look at this and we wonder about this understanding of speaking life. It may not be realized today. Sometimes you speak, but it's years down the road before someone hears it. When God spoke over Joshua, he didn't use those words until he found that time where he failed and he was able to dive back in. He used that as the constant and solid in his life. And so maybe in the lives of our children or those people around us, 
maybe we shouldn't spend time, you, you can do this, but maybe we shouldn't spend so much time telling them how awesome they are and that they can accomplish everything. And maybe the best thing that we ever teach them is that God will never fail you, he'll never forsake you, and he's there with you in the midst of every single thing that you walk through. So when they inevitably face failure or whenever they face difficult times, they know that anchor is true. So for me, speaking life is literally setting anchors out in front of someone. Anchors that you hope God takes and connects to at some point in their life. You may not realize it today. You may not realize it tomorrow. But at some point in the life of your children or your wife or your husband or your family, you hope that it'll, it'll connect to them and it'll change their lives because you are willing to speak life over them. So I'm telling you, tomorrow, you may speak life today and you may be saying stuff like, that is not exactly how I planned that to unfold. Keep speaking life. Because I'm telling you, those are anchor points. And when life goes crazy, you hope that at some point they'll tie their life off to that and they'll find that anchor that will help them in the midst of all of it. And finally, for me, um, there was one verse that I really struggled with. And um, I already kind of pointed it out to you, but in verse 5, where it says, No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Now, we know the rest of the story. And, um, and if, you, if you want extra, extra Jesus dollars, go back and read Deuteronomy 32, 3, and 4. Right after God speaks all of that over Joshua, he calls Moses and Joshua into the tent of meeting, and, he, and, and God basically says, these people are going to fail, and they're going to fail miserably. He goes, I know them. They're a hot mess. They're going to turn their backs on me as soon as we get over in Israel, right? So I didn't necessarily tell you that because that doesn't sound like he's speaking life. But really what he's doing is he's speaking truth. So when you read all of that, and then you get here in verse 5, it says, no one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. It caused me to ask this question, and I'll, don't panic when I say it. Light, lightning hasn't struck yet, but we're still early. He says, no one shall stand against you all the days of your life. Does that mean that God's a liar? Because people stood against Joshua. He lost some battles. And here's what I would tell you. I believe that what God did in Joshua was to put anchor points not out just in front of Joshua. I think what God was doing was putting anchor points out in front of the children of God. And that maybe it wouldn't be in Joshua's lifetime, and maybe it wouldn't be even in the time period of Judges. But along 1,400 years later, in the time of Peter, James, John, a life came along where they got to witness and see the literal birth of the Son of God. And they were able to take and they were able to anchor themselves to the hope that was spoken. Now you may say, Scott, the verse says that no one shall be able to stand against them. I'm talking about Jesus. You say, well, yeah, well, they killed him. Yeah, but guess what? Death couldn't even hold him. And so in his life, he was the only one ever to live according to the fullness of Scripture. That he lived according to the law and all of these promises unfold from Jesus. And so here's what I say to you and to me. As broken people who fail and who fall short, we're never fully going to be able to say that there's not going to be anyone that can stand against us because we're human and we're not going to be able to live fully into what God has called us to. But we can open up our hearts and we can invite the one in who did and the one who will truly say to us, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the sum total of our lives is not just the days that we breathe, but it's for eternity because that's the victory that Jesus had. This story is a foreshadowing of Christ and the work that he will do. And it goes way beyond just speaking life here. It's for thousands of years later. And if we want to even get down to it, 2,000 years to us, 1,500 years to them, 3,500 years later, these words that were spoken are still offering life right here in Gulf Breeze 
That's how powerful this text is. And so my hope is that in, in all that you're doing, that yes, you'll speak life. But if you've not opened up your heart and received the source of life, I hope that you'll do that today. It is the single most important decision that you can make. Amen? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. God, and we're so grateful for opportunities like this to, to really just join our hearts around you and around the mission and the purpose and the design that you've given us. Not because we're perfect, but because we're on this journey and we know that you are perfect. And so God, as we commit our hearts to transformation, I pray that you would just continue to help us to clear things out of the way. Continue to help us to speak life and ultimately when our hearts aren't connected to do the work so that we can experience the heart of God and our hearts intertwined so that we can see kingdom grow in the hearts and lives of those people that are around us. And God, for everyone that's here today that maybe has not been willing to trust you, I pray that today would be the day that they would experience eternity. Not on the other side, but right here, right now. God, that our lives are the sum total of you and all that you've offered us and everything that you've connected us to. We are a part of the body, and God, this body is growing, and so just live and find your being in us as we open up our hearts and we believe in your son, Jesus. We love you, we trust you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you, if you will, to stand. And as we sing this final song, I encourage you to join the band and sing with them if, if you're able. Um, Addie's on this side, I'll be on this side. We'd love to pray with you. The altars are open if you wanna come down and spend some time in prayer. I encourage you to do that as well. Thank you so much for your time today. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is still in your this is my confidence, you never fail me yet. I know the night won't
joining us today. Um, we pray that you have a nice, beautiful, warm Sunday afternoon. Um, and if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Make sure you stop by out in the lobby and uh, check in with Night to Shine and the Thrive groups. Get plugged into a group. And then if you're just interested in finding out more information about the church, meet us over in the Next Steps room. We'd love to, to meet you and get to know a little bit about you. But thank you for being here today. And let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. And as we go from this place, Lord, I pray that, that you would lead us and guide us as you always do, but maybe allow our hearts to be open to seeing even more clearly um, what that looks like so that we can take those steps and fall right in line with your purpose and your design for our lives. We love you. We trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. Thank you.